two things that I notice. One is we never pass a basket around here where you get to take out of that basket. And two is I think their communion bread is a lot better than what we normally use. Hopefully you get the impression that we value children. Not every church can say that they value children. But children and youth are our priority. Children are the generation of today. They're not the, the generation of tomorrow. We look in the passage of scripture that was read earlier today. You get Jesus as they've traveled from Capernaum. And the disciples get into this major argument like often adults do about which one is better than the other. Now there's a reason that we do that. There's a reason that we try to trump each other and one up on each other and look better in front of our boss or look better in front of the guy that we're trying to follow. And it kind of goes back to elementary school when they instilled in us the value of our independence. Now in my family, my family never had to teach me independence. I was born with independence. My, in fact, my wife is independent. My children are independent there's no there's no amount of uh, of dependence upon them and so when you look in the when you look back in the scripture and you think about our own realization and our own lives oftentimes we were in school we were pushed to make ourselves go farther in life. We were pushed to make the most of our situation. We were told that we could have an American dream. We were told that we could accomplish everything. And that was confirmed by Philippians 4.13, which many of us learned as children. And what does it say? For I can do all things through who? Christ who gives me strength. Now, what's interesting this week, maybe some of you saw it on Facebook, maybe you didn't. There's this theologian. That was on Facebook. I really get wary of theologians on Facebook. They should be in the Bible more than they're on Facebook. Or they should be in God's book more than they're on Facebook. But this theologian, so to speak, commented that he thought that that was the most misused scripture in all the Bible. The idea that we can do anything through Christ is ridiculous, he argued. He said, as a matter of fact, he said, my life has been the story that has proved this scripture wrong. Now, this is a pastor of a church, and I'm, I'm looking at Facebook, and I'm like, okay, there's got to be a joke here. There's got to be some kind of conclusion here that's going to resolve this tension that I'm feeling. I want to reach through the, the internet lines and, and, and choke my brother in Jesus' name. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. And so, as I was thinking and sitting here, it, it, it dawned on me that a lot of people have bought into the lie that you and I can't do anything through Christ. Let me tell you something. Scripture is there. It's the truth. When you and I doubt the truth, it doesn't mean that the truth is not the truth. It doesn't mean that the Bible is not true to what it says. It says it. it that settles it whether or not you and I choose to believe it. And so Jesus says to the disciples, why is it that you, what were you discussing when you were coming from Capernaum? What is the big deal? And they didn't want to tell him why, because they were arguing about how great they were. From the very beginning of our lives, we are told that we can do all things. And so we motive our, motivate ourselves to do that. And we will do anything to get what we want. It's fed by our culture. I think I've shared with you before. If you venture out and go to one of those horrific fast food chains, such as Burger King. Chick-fil-A is not included in that list, by the way. But it, or, or Dairy Queen either. But if you go to one of those fast... And both of those people own restaurants. Uh, uh, in our church. So anyway, i just give you that commercial. want to make sure I don't have uh, uh, snipers located on me. But um, if you go to one of those horrific fast food chains such as Burger King, Burger King's slogan is, have it your way. That fundamentally goes against everything 
that Scripture teaches about, it's not about having it our way. It's not about creating our kingdom. It's not about building our church. It's not about padding our pew. It's about serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus encountered his disciples, and here's how I know that we can miss it. If his closest followers miss the point, then you and I can miss the point as well. And the point is this, that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then you're going to have to humble yourself to serve others. And then Jesus did something completely out of touch with reality for his culture. He took a child which was amongst them and sat the child on his lap. And he says, when you welcome one of these, you welcome me, but not only me, you welcome the one who sent me. What is Jesus doing in that passage of scripture, he's turning the culture that the disciples had grown up in and involved himself with upside down. What we need in our time and in our place is our entire culture and world to be turned upside down. Not by bombs bursting in midair, not by nuclear weapons, not by negotiations, not by politics. But we need the radical transformation power of Jesus Christ into our lives, into our community, into our homes, into our schools, into our workplaces. Why? Because when you and I engage children, we engage Jesus. When you and I welcome children in, when you and I invest in children, we are investing in Jesus, and Jesus is investing in us. We don't, listen, we do not do ministry in order simply to reach families. We are doing it to captivate the mind's attention and the heart's attention of young people and children, because this is what we know statistically. That if you and I, if we're not able to share the gospel, and if a person does not accept Christ and begin following him by the time they are 14 years old, there is a 70% chance in the span of their lifetime that they will not accept Christ. We have only about a decade, really, to reach our children, to teach our children. And here's the thing. I'm not about indoctrinating them. I'm not about telling them, monkey here, a monkey play back. Memorize this, pray this passage of scripture, pray this prayer and you're saved. I'm interested in introducing them to Jesus Christ. I don't have to uh, stand on a platform for him. I don't have to add words that he's added. I simply need to make myself available. We need to make ourselves available as we seek to reach children. Because when you and I engage children, we engage Jesus, when you and I invest in children, we are investing in Jesus. And though the disciples did not understand, and though many of us may not understand, I, I've had people say in previous settings, if we go after the children, they don't give. They, 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 the children are not funding this organization. And you know what my statement is to that? Neither are you. Adults, I want you to listen to me. You're not funding this organization e either. You know who's funding this organization? Him. God is funding this organization. God is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. What he says goes. And you and I must listen carefully to the words of Jesus as he takes an opportunity amidst the people who have followed him, amidst the people who have seen him perform miracles, causing lame people to walk and blind people to see, amidst feeding the 5,000 and all these things, Jesus takes time to welcome a child and tells his disciples, you want to be the greatest? It's not about looking the part. It's not about dressing the part. It's not about crossing this T or dotting this I. 
It's about becoming like one of these children that comes so innocently. Now, here's the other thing I would say to us today. When we engage children, we not only engage Jesus, we engage God. The one, when we choose to spend time with God, we are spending time with children. When we spend time with children, we are spending time with God. Their honesty, their innocence is worth our yearning for. They're completely resilient. Children are a lot smarter than what you and I could imagine. In fact, many times, children are a whole lot more faithful than the adult counterparts. I remember when, and, and John Hutchins will appreciate this, I was mentioned the story the other day. Um, when we first came to Elizabeth and I told the search committee, I said, and the only way I will come to First Baptist Church is if God clearly speaks to me or clearly shows me this is place. And so we begin this interview process and we talk and we talk. And I really, I mean, I really haven't really heard from him. And I'm getting kind of worried because we're, we're going along with the process and we schedule this meet and greet that you all came to on a Saturday. And we had left Johnson City and Tabby remember this too. And we were coming over to Elizabethan. And Anderson says to me, he says, uh, or he says to us, we're sitting in the car, he says, Daddy, it's going to be a long drive every week if we have to drive from Greenville, South Carolina. <laughs> and I said, well, well buddy, um, if, if God calls us here, we'll, we'll move here. And then he said this, he said, God has called us here. And so I looked over at Tabby and I said, well, buddy, how do you know he's called us here? He told me. Now, when God chooses to use children to speak into your life and speak into your ministry and speak into your calling, you better perk up your ears and listen. Because such as these is the kingdom of heaven. You want to know what the pulse of a congregation is? You want to know whether there's racism in a church? You want to know whether there's problems in a faith community? Look at your children. See how they act. Ask them questions. They won't tell you what you want to hear like many adults do. They'll tell you raw, truthful data. The kingdom is to such as these. Why? Because Jesus knows that a child is innocent. Jesus knows that a child is not a puffed up toad trying to be political. Jesus knows that a child is transparent and authentic. And if you and I are smart as adults, we will become like children in our faith. Not immature, but childlike. Accepting the truth of the gospel, accepting the truth of his word. Listen, there are so many things in the Bible that you could show me today. So many passages of scripture you'll say, how did this happen? How did this happen? You could walk me through probably a thousand different scenarios. And I'd be scratching my head and I'd say, I, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's a mystery. I'm not going to tell you it's not a mystery when it is. But you know, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that a child doesn't question how God provided Noah on an ark and saved his family. A child doesn't question how God created the world in seven days. A child accepts it as truth as it's uttered without any doubt. But as we get older, as we get more finessed in our education, as we think we get smarter, as we get more intellectual, we begin asking all these questions. And what I want to submit to you today is questions are not wrong. Ask your questions because this I'm assured of. Any truth that is the truth can stand up to any question that you and I want to ask. But I'm going to tell you there's beauty in a child who simply 
believes because God has spoken it in his word. You and I need to have that sort of faith. That sort of faith will move mountains. That sort of faith will transform families. That sort of faith will transform your school. That sort of faith will uh, transform your workplace. That sort of thing will change your life. And so many of you, as you've come in here week after week, we've offered opportunity after opportunity. We've spoken about God's love and God's grace and God's power and the ability that you and I can have as we connect to this amazing God that we serve. So if you don't want to hear the adult side of it, listen to the children's side of it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. May your confidence be in the God who loves you, and the God who has the potential to save you, and the God who has called you to more than where you are today. And so as we go into a time of invitation, there's going to be two parts of this invitation. The first part is simply this. I'm going to ask every child in this room to come and stand at this table. I want every child in this room, if you're willing, I want you to come stand at this table. And I want you to look at these children and their potential. Look at them the way they are. Their smiles. Smiles. Warts and all and everything about them. In this room could be the doctor that finds a cure for AIDS. In this room could be the next great evangelist that leads crusades and starts another great awakening for our country as we awaken to the need that we have for God. This is potential. But this is not a potential necessarily for future. This is potential today. Listen to their faith. Listen as they share. Listen as they get up. There's more courage expressed in these kids as they get up. I don't see many of you up on stage on Sunday morning. Have a lot more courage. So this is a part of invitation that I think you're going to enjoy. I'm going to ask as you adults, parents, grandparents, friends, and family, I want you to make your way up here, and I want to offer a prayer over these children. And I want you to join with me and committing with me to pray for these young people, pray for the ones that are here as well as the ones that are not, that we, we can allow God to use us in an amazing way through His grace and His power to bring hope to children and their families as God changes families one family at a time and as we continue to expand his kingdom. So in this invitation, I invite you to come. I invite you to come to pray with me for these children. Won't you come?